Welcome to Snakes and Ladders, a podcast about our time in the workplace, career ups and downs, and the tricks and tips we've picked up along the way. Hello, my name is Peter Conroy, and with me is the Starsky to my hutch, Julian Armstrong. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah, it's getting better, mate. It's yeah, great. I do it again. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Coming up on today's show, micromanagement, shudder. We explore this age-old term, what it means, and how it can be a positive tool for the benefit of others. And <laughs> that's me. Yeah. And uh, we've got another mailbag. You asked for it. We're doing it. Uh, Alyssa sent us a conundrum that we're going to tackle. It's a juicy one. But first, uh, Julian, king of the lemurs of Madagascar, Armstrong. <laughs> that wasn't a good one. <laughs> that was brilliant. Oh, you like that? Yeah, thanks, man. How are you, man? Great. Uh, I mean, I'm still on annual leave. Uh, are you really? Yeah. When are you back? I'm well. I, I I work Friday a bit, but I'm I'm purposefully like easing it in. Um, so next week I'm actually only working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then I fly to Paris for a fortieth. So I'm well and truly taking the piss. <laughs> you're, like, you're on Australian time. You're like yeah. semi January working. I think like the end of last year really like just I was exhausted. Yeah. Same. So like during the break, um, I noticed that I was sleeping way more. Yeah. We're going to do an episode on sleep for sure. <laughs> yeah, we have very different approaches to sleep, <laughs> you and I. Yeah. We'll talk about my uh, – I, I got an aura ring for Christmas, so we're going to talk about that at some point. But, yeah, yeah uh, I, I was noticing like I, I just felt really tired, um, emotionally drained, that sort of stuff. So I decided to just, just work Friday to get back on top of emails and whatever, and then next week I've only got three days and I've, I've got a little trip. So, yeah, my week's been – freaking breezy mate how about you <laughs> i landed back i went to oz for christmas which was lovely it was a very intense 11 days of family and then um like bookended with two like less than desirable flights via china and uh vietnam and i got back i got back on the was that an expensive flight mate or was that a they cheap were, one they were fucking expensive really but yeah so that was the cheapest we could go oh right the three of us went like like economy. Uh, that's right. Yeah, it you was took like you took five yeah. and a half grand, which yeah. is wild. And I've been looking at flights for this year because I'm thinking I might go back in April, and yeah. they're like half already, half the price. Yeah, so. we're heading back in April too, and it's um, there's a decent one through Singapore for like nine hundred. Yeah. So anyway, I'm thinking about doing the the sixteen hour like London to Perth flight just to like Ooh. see what it's like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I got back to work pretty much straight away. It was a fucking depressing week at work. I'm not gonna lie. Really? It's really quiet, yeah. It's quiet, mm. like no one's in the mood. It's fucking... I don't know about this winter, but this winter feels like particularly wet. Yeah, and, and it's like been raining sad. a hell of a lot, yeah. But so, I, I, I do feel like, you know, back home, when it when it was like leading up to Christmas, people were... There was like a noticeable wind down. Yeah. Whereas this year, I don't think that it felt like there was a wind down. No, It I agree. was like... No one was into Christmas this year. No, and, and people were either like off, like it was like a hard stop. Yep. Or they worked all the way up to like the last day and it, it just felt like, you know, Even intense. back in Oz, like I just like cost of living crisis like really like bit this year. Like people didn't yeah. seem into Christmas. Yeah. But actually speaking of going back to Oz, so something I noticed and I was just going to broach it with you because I was like, obviously we're going through the same experience living abroad. Mm. This was my first time going home that I felt like a bit of a stranger and a visitor. Yeah. Every other time I've gone home, and you've been here a bit longer than I, but every other time I've gone home, I've felt like um, it's a bit of a homecoming. Like I go home and I'm going home. Like everyone, yeah. all my friends are there, all my family, and it mm. feels familiar. And this time I went back and it was really bizarre because I felt like out of place. Is that because you've recently bought and done up a place? Yeah, maybe, maybe you've kind of like nested here a bit more than before. Yeah, I think so. And I also think like the passage of time, like, so my best mates moved to the Gold Coast, another good mate of mine's moved to Melbourne. Mm. And it feels like Sydney doesn't have the same pull that it used to, like, mm. which goes to show that like a city is just a city unless the people you love live there. Yeah, for sure. No, another friend just got back from um, Australia too. Um, he's British, but he was saying like it, it reinforced 
their decision to move back to UK because they just felt like everyone was just doing the same stuff that they've always been doing. Yeah. So, you know, it, when he came home, he was like, no, no, it feels so much more like home. Yeah, I w- and by the end of our 11 days, and even though it was a short trip, I was like, oh, I'm keen to get back to my life. Mm. I think maybe just because my life is here now. Mm. And I felt like for ages when I first moved here that like... You were visiting. Yeah, actually someone like um, sort of said, like analogized it to me the other day as like a breakup. Like I left Sydney on a high. Like I was yeah. like having a great time being there. I was really happy, da 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 we left caveat that we left that before they had their four month COVID lockdown. Yeah. So my like rose tinted memories of Sydney were like that summer of boat parties when everyone else was in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which was awesome. So I left Sydney like really like oh, came over here and you were like, yeah. fuck you. For yeah. Bring me. In. Yeah. Literally. And so like <laughs> I had this like, you know, emotional attachment that like, yeah, almost like, um, it had broken up with me sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was interesting, but now I feel like I've kindly like I've kind of moved on. I've made peace with it. I'm dating mm. someone else. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, what do you think that this year holds in store? Uh, I've got a lot of stuff on the go. Like this year, like we bought a place last year. I think not not so much focusing on activities, but a state of mind. I think like last year, I really like drove myself into the ground. Like I got to the end of yeah. the year and I was like haggard, mm. like dying. Yeah. And I think like I've kind of come into this year with like a like a go slow approach maybe like Yeah. I don't need to like wreck myself this year like Yeah, I I, I think me too. I I definitely took the same approach. I I definitely want us to talk about this um in, in another episode like being very um deliberate about yeah. when to go hard and when not to go hard like yeah from a corporate sense, but like you were not only talking about a corporate sense, but like you, you know, you, we've kicked this off and you started like renovating an apartment and that was off the back of like being evicted because the previous apartment, they, they wanted to do some bizarre shit. So like it was quite intense for you. So yeah, you had a big year. It was a big year. And like, I think at at no point, like, I I don't know, like you got a second job. Yeah. I got a second job. Like there's a whole thing of like, partner got made redundant at the end of the year yeah so been hectic it's been hectic like i think like you do reach an age i talk like i'm an old man i'm not an old man but like you do reach (laughs) an like i think there's a like a realization in maybe like your 30s where you're like i have limitations yeah like you know in your in your 20s you're like i can fucking just keep going yeah yeah. 100 miles an hour and i'll be fine it's like that grand designs moment like one of my favorite shows when they're like it's a a young couple in their 30s renovating some ridiculous place and then they're like and guess what? We're having our first kid. <laughs> <laughs> and you're Kevin like, I've seen like, this episode. <laughs> yeah, you idiots. You fucking dickhead. <laughs> you're like trying to turn a boat into an airplane. Yeah. That like yeah. sits on the cliffs of Dover. Yeah. And like. <laughs> and they're like, we thought it was a good idea to stop it's contraception. Right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> anyway, cool, man. Well, let's get stuck into it. Easy. Let's go. Alrighty. So this is a really interesting topic this this week. Um, micromanagement. It's a it's a dirty word in most circles, but uh, is there a world in which micromanagement is helpful and even necessary? We're going to explore that. Yeah, I mean the buzzword of twenty twenty three was quiet quitting. People checking out of their jobs emotionally, not extending themselves, doing the bare minimum, and I think a lot of um, people kind of encountered this on one side of the fence or the other. Like yeah. we've all felt like disconnected at work. And so it's I, hard to rally people at certain points of the year. Like, you know, it yeah. just felt like we were continually asking for asking people for more. Yeah. And I think off the back of COVID, like there was that whole thing of like expecting people to be available constantly because of mm. things like teams and, you know, working from home. Yeah. And there was that thing like people, sorry to interrupt you, mate, but yeah. there was this thing like during COVID where it, it was discussed, like you're lucky to have a job. Yeah. And um, I kind of feel like that attitude from management top level has just continued and it's kind of, you know, it's not true anymore. Well, yeah, and that's the hit back. So people, rather than sort of like actively quitting their jobs and saying like, I'm going to look for a new job, quiet quitting is really like giving the bare minimum, Mm. kind of with the confidence of like, well, I'm not going to get fired because the job market was so hot last year. Yeah. And so in response to that, and I've I've done a a fair bit of um, podcast cruising myself, like 
it seems that companies in response to people quiet quitting have kind of doubled down on micromanagement. So, you know, they're noticing that their staff are less engaged. They're not working overtime. They're not reaching the for above and beyond. And so they're really kind of like doubling down on trying to get people to sort of do exactly what they want and manipulate them into doing more work. And so the buzzword for 2024, my understanding is, is kind of, with more, with more and more micromanagement, people have pulled away more and more. It's a strategy that's not worked. So businesses mm-hmm. are now pivoting towards maybe a slightly more covert way of influencing their staff to be more effective sure. at work, which is probably kind of the crux of what we've been talking about. So um, quiet management is yeah. the buzzword for 2024. Mm. Essentially, like what we're going to talk about today is is micromanagement. It is a tool, unfortunately, that people have sort of taken a negative connotation with, but it Mm. is a tool nonetheless that's really important in being able to get people to do work when they don't necessarily have the skill, the vision, the work ethic, a myriad of reasons why they're not performing. Yeah. But how do you do that in a way that's not necessarily, you know... Overbearing. Overbearing, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, one of the key questions or one of the key things that, that I pose to people... Um, to consider is how do you get someone to do something by asking them once and they do it perfectly, right? If that was what you could achieve every single time, that would be brilliant. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things that go into being able to achieve that, like very, very clear communication, very, very clear sort of expectation setting. Um, And that's when we start to really dive into whether micromanagement is needed. And obviously you've got to pay attention to people's skills that you're sort of you're you're imposing this this task on well like let's start with like firstly like what would you consider micromanagement yeah so we can get into our own kind of experiences with managers who who have micromanaged or 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 anything like that so we'll get into that in a second but i guess for me um micromanagement is something that's not a short-term um action so I can give you a task and say, I want it done like this. I want it done in this way. I want it done by this time. And I want it done, you know, in in this sort of fashion. That is a form of micromanagement. But in terms of the negative connotation, I see micromanagement as doing that forever. Constantly. Like just all the time for a very long period of time. And, And we've talked a little bit before about trust and respect and that sort of stuff. That's when it sort of tilts off the, off the scale and it becomes, a, a thing where you don't trust someone, you don't respect their opinion, you don't, tr- um, you know, you don't have solid expectations about the way they're going to deliver things. So for me, in terms of the, the society's view on micromanagement, mm. that's kind of how I would view it. Like so the, the it negative as, is like where it's gone way too far. So you see it as the removal of creative license, basically. Yeah, in in terms of the long term, not so, in terms of the short term. So for me, I I would consider micromanagement is like the persistence of mistrust in someone's ability to undertake a task. So mm. like, say I say, can you go do X, Y, Z? Then for me, micromanagement is then when you actually accompany me in doing X, Y, and Z, because you don't think that I can follow the specific instructions yeah. I gave. I Like for me as a person, like I would never have an issue with someone being incredibly specific about what they wanted. I yeah. have no issue with following instructions to the detail. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting people who get the shits with kind of being given a really specific instruction Mm. Um, because for me that's just clear communication in the desired outcome. But it's it's human nature to try and be creative and individualistic and actually we will definitely talk about this uh, another time as well. I feel that that is what creates a hell of a lot of problems in high-performing organisations. So like if you think about a car, right, like – every piece of equipment within a car has a purpose. Um, you know, when you're manufacturing those pieces of equipment, it's manufactured for a purpose. If we could all operate in a more mechanical fashion, the performance that we would get as, as teams wouldn't undoubtedly be higher, but as a, as a kind of natural human behavior, we want to be different. We don't want to be a piece of machinery. We don't want to look like the person next to us. We don't want to sound like the person next to us. So this, the challenge is to allow people the creativity and the kind of individual identity in doing something that you want done a certain way anyway, you know, so it's tricky. What I find funny though, is like, I think it's different individual to individual. So Mm. like there are definitely people I've worked with where like all they want is creative license. Yeah. 
you know, they want it, they want to sit there and they want to create and they want to design and they want to come up with their own solutions. Yeah. And then you have people who are the polar opposite. They don't want to do that. They want to come to work. They want to be told what to do and they want to do their job and they want to go. Mm. Um, and I suppose, again, it speaks to like, it's, it's complex, right? Because I have two staff. Yeah. One, she's great. I say, this is what I want. You figure out how to get there. Yeah. So I give her an end goal and she gets there. And yeah. if she has any problems, she's more than welcome to come to me and we can figure it out, which does yeah. happen. Yeah. The other one, she wants me to give her every detail. Not only does she want me to give her every detail, she wants me to sometimes do it with her. Right. Um, and that's bloody hard because you've got two staff. There's yeah. no kind of like one size fits all yeah, in terms sure. of being a manager. And it's taken me like the better part of like a year and a half to kind of actually like figure out yeah, how yeah. to manage them both side by side yeah. together and in, individually. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's uh, something like we'll talk about teams in particular later on, like, you know, how you, how you manage your first direct report versus how you manage, you know, your ninth or, or eighth or, you know, the optimal number. It's just as hard having a, a direct team of one or two. It's a different type of hard, but as it is having a, an indirect team of a couple of hundred, mm. uh, it's just different sort of uh, things you need to pay attention to. We've been speaking on that. So like micromanagement or the way you manage people, mm. there's so many variables. Like what are some of those variables that you can think of in terms of managing an individual that you need to consider? Um, so as in like when is it good? When it, Like when is it appropriate? When is it? More like so what are the what are the variables that affect the way you need to approach managing someone? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, so for me uh, it, it comes down to – the dynamic between the two parties, right? So if, if I know that you know the subject matter um, or you don't know the subject matter, that helps me with my decision of how involved I need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of your skills uh, as the person doing the task, your capabilities is one consideration. The time that it takes to deliver it is the other consideration. So like I need this done now um, or I need it done tomorrow. It's like an immediacy. Uh, in in which case, like I don't have any time for to invest in the process. Yep. it's very transactional yep. because a, a lot of these things are great. Like when you're giving someone a task to do, it's a great learning opportunity. It's a great rapport building situation. But if you need it tomorrow, don't treat it like that. I'll give you a really good anecdote. I'm gonna throw my husband under the bus here. So, <laughs> as you know, I've been renov- renovating my apartment, and yeah. in the last uh, sort of hours of doing it. So like I went to Australia last year, the last weekend I had before we went away, I had like a list of, I don't know, like 10 things I needed to do because basically my partner's mum was coming to stay with us before we flew. We needed a working shower so that when she came, she had somewhere to shower and I wanted it done before we left. And so on my last day before we, before, you know, it was the Sunday the last sort of holiday, like weekend day that I could work on it. Yeah. He sort of said, oh, I really want to help you. And I was like, all right. I was like, I can do this by myself. I just mm-hmm. obviously need to like be mentally like prepared to do the whole thing by myself. But if you want to help, you can help. Yeah. However, I do not need a second mate here. Mm-hmm. I need someone to be basically a lackey that does yeah, exactly yeah. what I say. Yeah, yeah. And we got into huge blues because like throughout the day, I was like, can you do this? Oh, are you sure you want me to do this? Like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. just fucking. <laughs> and the amount by the end of the day i think uh, we had some leftover tiles and i was like just yeah. okay i was cleaning up and i was like just put them all in the box yeah and he goes oh i'm like i'll sort through them later he goes oh we'll sort through them now and i'm like just put them all in a box because yeah. you never know when mm. a piece the amount of sh- shit that i've just kept on a whim and yeah, i ended yeah. up using and i was like just put them all in the box and he goes no we'll, we'll save it and i'm like just put them all in the box yeah. <laughs> i just like lost my shit and i just said to him i'm like listen i was like and I like rest assured at every point in terms of selecting tiles, design, mm. colors, everything, yeah, he's been involved. In this particular day, in order to validate his existence and helping the mm. situation, he was like, oh, well, I need to have some cognizance. I need to be part of this. But they're two, they're two different two roles. Two different things, exactly. Right? Like you've involved him in the decisions as your husband. Yeah. But then you're asking him to do the work as a laborer. Literally. Like, and he goes, he's well, not your husband in that moment. Yes, exactly. He's a staff member. Exactly. Sort of yeah. And that's the thing. I was like, look, this isn't a time, this isn't about validating your sense of accomplishment mm. here. Like, I have a limited amount of time. This is mm. my last day. Mm. I could have done this alone, but yeah. you have insisted on helping and I'm willing to 
do that. Yeah. And I basically said to him, I'm like, you've been kind of helpful, but you've also been a massive hindrance. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, if I hadn't helped, you know, you wouldn't have been able to do X, Y, and Z. And yeah. I'm like, that might be so. But I was like, my day's been infinitely more stressful yeah, yeah. because I've needed someone to just do what I ask. Yeah. So back to the question, I yeah. think that's a really good example of like when time is the driver and therefore you need to be really clear that this is not a learning opportunity. This is not like a team building opportunity. This is not like a growth opportunity. It's not even an experience building opportunity. You're literally just doing a task. It's just get the fucking thing done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think, yeah, like uh, recapping, like knowing what the person's skills are uh, and their capabilities are. I just want to preface to say I love my husband very much and I appreciate all the work he does. (laughs) I just thought about that and I was like, and the bathroom and the bathroom looks great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, knowing the skills and the skill, like the capabilities, uh, having a really clear understanding of how much time you've got. And then also the final one is like, what's on the line here? Like what, what are the consequences of the, the standard that needs to be delivered? Like if I'm writing a board paper and I'm involving a whole bunch of people, um, I'll probably be a lot more definitive about what I want than if I'm just doing something for a, a quick presentation to a bunch of people like but, tomorrow. But that know. plays into like the very notion of like how much experience this person has. Yeah, yeah. And you know, whether or like what's the dynamic and you said that earlier. Yeah. Is like you're writing a board paper. If you were working with someone who is your equal or senior, yeah, you would probably be like, Okay, well I trust that you have enough skills to know what the deliverables are. Yeah, so that th- this this is another another um, we can do a full session on this, but we can touch on it now. The, a lot of people say, you know, you, you need to earn my trust. You need to earn my respect. I kind of flip it. Like I will give you the chance to show me that you can do something or I will give you the respect straight out of the gate. And because otherwise like that takes too much time to build that trust really? like, for me. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give it to you straight away and then I'll work out whether you deserve it and All then right. we'll close the gap. Cool. So, yeah, but I, I'm not going to give it to you on something that's, like, fucking risky. Yeah. Um, but I'll give you the respect, too. So, like, if I give you something like a board paper I'll and, and you've never done it before and I don't know whether you're capable of doing it, I'll give it to you with a shitload of time. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to give it to you and it's due tomorrow. Yep. Like, that's just unnecessary pressure for both of us. But I'll give it to you with a lot of time and then we can kind of work out where your level is and we'll work, work back from there. Um, right. That's really interesting. Yeah, I just don't think in I'm this... I'm not like that. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people, most people aren't. It's, I mean, it's an old adage, you know, like you need to earn the respect, you need to earn the trust. I, I don't agree. Like I, f- I feel like if we had infinite time and teams were stagnant, like, you know, if, if this if this was a, an NFL team and there was no such thing as trading players, cool. You know, you can earn my respect, you can earn my trust. Mm. But... Like you've got a season to win a championship mm-hmm. and then someone could get traded the next season. Mm-hmm. You've got to immediately trust people. Mm-hmm. And then if they let you down, then you make decisions based on that. Like, but then you can do a postmortem and be like, well, what was the, what yeah, was what's the here? problem? Like, what are the skills that we need to close? What are the communication issues? What, what, are, whatever, yep. you know, yep. but if you're, if you're waiting to build that, it just takes forever. I think I, I, you know, me and you as well, like we work at pace. Yep. And if you want to try and be a, a high-performance team, high-performance organization, high-performance individual, quite often you don't have the time to do that. Yeah. And I think as well, like... Um, or you don't allow yourself the time. Yeah, and I think, like, when you give people that straight out of the gate, it's pretty fucking powerful because, yeah. like, those people have probably never been given that opportunity before. And so that that immediate relationship-building opportunity is massive. So if, if, we, if you're starting work this week... Um, and then next week I give you a task and I'm like, just have a go. Like, you're not going to fuck it up. Like there, there are no, like psychological safety is another big piece of this, which we can talk about as well. But like the the consequences are, I'm still going to review it. We're going to see how you go again, still want to be hugely clear with communication. So I don't have to tell you five times. Um, let's have a go and then see where you land that's really powerful in terms of the relationship building opportunity. Well, I think that to be fair though, I think that's only effective with people who are high performance individuals. So, I mean, it's yeah. a pretty good litmus test to work out what kind of person you're dealing with. Yeah. I, Cause I've tried that yeah. and I've tried that with both of my staff Yeah, and it worked okay with one of them and it did not work with the other one. And yeah. I've tried it a couple of times with the other one because 
you know, in our reviews, we've had conversations about growth and development and I'd be like, cool. All right. If you want growth, I'm going to put the, r- the runway out in front of you, Yeah. but you need to, you need to drive. I'm yeah. not going to push you forward. Yeah. And I've given her a couple of projects and they've not really gone anywhere. But that's okay. So that's not a failure. That That's just that you working out what the limitations are. That person's not a self-driven performer. But then right? there's an issue because there's a misalignment of what she's saying. Yeah. what she's requesting and wanting and wanting out of her career versus yeah. how she's behaving. Yeah, so like interestingly in the mailbag later that that's something some someone's sort of written in and asked questions about what what you do when people have got this blind kind of you know blindness to their ability. Yeah, just a misalignment of like reality versus yeah. like desire and work ethic and all those things. Yeah, so we'll come back to that, but um the the key discussion for me today is you know how you manage these these relationships and in particular i want to go a distance to dispelling the fact that micromanagement is a bad thing yeah well i mean on that why do you think micromanagement's got such a bad reputation i think because it's it's been defined as this long-term thing right like it's a stymieing kind of like situation yeah. yeah it's i mean if you think about micromanagement like Whenever anyone's talking about micromanagement, it's always in the context of like their personal relationship with their manager, right? Yeah. So no one's ever sort of talking about micromanagement out of the context of like, I hate my boss. Yeah. Because they don't trust me or they don't do that. It's always, there's always an emotional connotation. Like that word is so like charged with emotion and circumstance. It's all right, mate. Just open your water bottle. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, like it. <laughs> earlier he was like smacking his hand on the table and I was like, stop eating the desk. <laughs> now you can hear me drink. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that wasn't me, mate. <laughs> Sorry. Mate. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, whenever anyone uses that word, it's always in the context of like hmm. the circumstances. Yeah. You know, but I, and we've talked about this, I mean, kind of leads into my next question of like, have either of us been micromanaged slash micromanaged. And I think we were talking about this just off air before. Mm. Like I can think of times where you've micromanaged me, but it's not been in, I've never used that word. Oh, he's micromanaging me. But by definition you were. Yeah. And I've never, it's never been an issue. Yeah. Well, it, uh, in a fundamental solid manager employee relationship, there needs to be a two way communication. Yeah. So like if, if, if I'm giving you a task you should feel confident, psychological safety, you should feel confident to say to me, sweet, I reckon I've got this. Yep. You know, again, that comes back to that trust thing. And I should feel confident to say to you, mm, I'm not quite happy with where you're taking this without there being some sort of like absolute, you know, tantrum going on. Well, you know, it, we need to be respect. safe. Yeah, yeah, mutually respectful, but like um, there needs to be this really open communication and where you feel like, as the person doing the work, you can you can say you know I'm I'm really comfortable doing this or I'm not comfortable doing it. I need some help, yeah. or you know you kind of you direct me a bit too much here. Like, is this just one of those things where you're telling me exactly what I need to do, or are you giving me any kind of the the commu- like setting up those boundaries really early are really important. So I would hope, uh, you know, I'm not perfect, but I would hope in the in the situations where I've I've had to micromanage you. Probably early in our relationship, it it's been because I'm telling you like that. It's because that communication has been pretty good. I think the only time it's ever been frustrating to me, the only time is when I've been told you can do it the way you want, and yeah. we talked about this before. Yeah, you can do it however you want, and then when I've done it the way I wanted to, you've been like, yeah. "Oh, actually, no." Yeah. But if you were to say to me, "I want this. I want it this way. I want it this yeah. way. I want it," I actually can't see myself having an issue with that because at the end of the yeah. day, I've always respected that you. A, know what you're doing. Mm. B, you uh, have a reason for asking for what you want. Yeah. So that's, I think we're an interesting case because like I've never not respected your abilities as a boss. Mm. And I don't think you've ever not respected my abilities as an employee. Yeah. So like, again, coming back to that, that same principle that I was saying in the beginning, if you could tell someone something once and you get exactly what you want, that needs to be the target. So if I've gone to you and said, you can do this how you want, and then you come back and you give me something and I go, oh, actually, then that's my fault mm. because I've not been clear about what I want, obviously. Yeah. And so if I come back and say, mm, you've done it in a way that I'm not happy with, I, I, I'm I, still giving you creative license, but I've been not clear with what the end goal needs to be. So from the beginning, 
it doesn't matter whether you're micromanaging or, or not and you're delegating the mm. full task. If the communication's not clear, there's going to be a mix-up between this at, at some point. But that's the key word, right? So you've said end goal. Yeah. I think like where you can kind of get away with giving someone creative license and yeah. if you have the the time or the resources for it, yeah. is you can say, here is the end goal. I don't care how you get there, yeah, but just get there. yeah. And that's when someone can kind of figure it yeah. out on their own. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, as opposed to like, Here's the end goal. And also I want you to do it this exact way. Yeah. And unless there's a specific reason, i.e. you've got a time constraint yeah. or there's like legislative reasons behind having to trace, you know. Yeah, there's rules and, rules, et cetera. and boundaries and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a perfect example is like, and this is a graphic design tangent, but like there are good practice ways to draw. Yeah. Like in Illustrator. Don't ask me about them. No. <laughs> but in Illustrator, there are good good practice ways because if yeah. at some point you need to tweak it, change it, whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. you've got all of the like digital access points to like Yeah, same as coding, like and building software, you know. Or building in general. There's yeah. always a shortcut to make something, but yeah. that could potentially have consequences down exactly, the line. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And if that's the case, then yeah, you have to be really prescriptive about the way you do something. Yeah. But typically, like you can usually say, like, I if I want to report or I want to something or yeah you know yeah but i mean so for for me uh i've not really ever been micromanaged and um interestingly at certain points in my career i have found that frustrating right because um again coming back to what i was saying if 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 my boss has given me a task and they've not been clear enough and i go back and say was this what you want and they're like no has that happened yeah yeah, several yeah, times in my career. Annoying. I'm like, well, I've just wasted a shitload of my time yeah. trying to do something. And it's not that I've not asked them questions. It's I've asked questions along the way and then my interpretation of what they want is different to what they've envisioned. Well, they clearly so also don't know what they want either. Potentially. But so like I've not necessarily been micromanaged, but that has been a frustration for me at certain times in my career. But like what about you? Have you have you had my, like people micromanage you? Beyond yeah. me, of course. <laughs> See, I've had... I've obviously had a few different managers over the years. I've mm. like I've, I'm in a weird place at the moment where I'm I'm kind of in the same position as what you just said. Yeah. In that I have n- almost no management. They're like, same, do this, yeah. do this thing, off you go. Yeah. Best of luck. Probably for the past sort of six or seven years, that's been me as well. Like I've not had any real direction. Yeah. Which I'm I'm fine with, but then I think for critical decisions you want that kind of engagement. I think the problem is is like for a high performing individual to have a like. To someone, oh, I could definitely hear that. <laughs> Sorry, that's why. For someone to like meaningfully manage us, they have to be like at a stratosphere above where we're at. Yeah. And like, not to toot our own horn, but we've both acknowledged the fact that we are high performing individuals. Hmm. Then to have someone that could micromanage in a way that means that we're going to feel like. Yeah, yes and no, mate. Like, I mean, I, I'm not a finance expert. So, like, if I'm running a business plan that has, you know, really. Um, really sort of tactical um, sort of accounting practices in it around like distributing funds to this project and, you know, capitalizing that and whatever. Like I would appreciate someone, you know, diving into the detail with me because good learning opportunity as well. Um, but generally I agree with what you're saying. Like we're, our su- we're subject matter experts in what we do. So 90% of what we do, we do, we will not be micromanaged these days. Yeah. But see the way I see it is like, I could, like I do learning and development at the moment. Yeah. And even though that the people above me don't necessarily know the nuts and bolts that make what I do work, mm. they could still understand what they need or want for their business. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, like everyone's just like, do learning and development because the business has said they want learning and development. Mm. And I'm like, that's a really vague like target to work towards. I am doing learning and development. I'm making courses. I launched one yesterday. I mm. think they're really good. Mm. I have metrics that say people are doing the work mm-hmm. and, and people are giving us good feedback. But that still doesn't dovetail into the business's broader vision. Yeah, I would love for someone in our senior management to be like, great, okay, so this last year we had issues with this, this and this or I've spoken to some of the people throughout the business and yeah. these are the feedback. Like, I'd like to have that collaborative thing where they say these are our thoughts and feelings about where the business is currently at yeah. and this is where we think we're lacking or, or where we'd like to see the business go. Yeah, How can we work with you and what you're working on to come up with a strategy to get us to here? Yeah, it's interesting. Like for me, that's not micromanagement though. That's like... 
that's subtle direction on strategy because well, no, yeah. they're not a subject matter expert in what you do. They're yeah. just giving you either feedback, a feedback loop, or they're just directing you, you know, in a subtle way. But even further than that, like, so that's, that's I think, like tier one management where mm. it's like, here's an end goal, off you go. Mm. I, right now I've got nothing. Mm. Like, so I'm just kind of walking in the wilderness. Yeah. Tier one, here's an end goal. Tier two, at, as I'm developing each module, I launch each module, they give me feedback and reviews. Mm. Tier three, as I'm developing the modules, mm. I have conversations with them about the kinds of information that I'm including, mm. the target audiences I'm working towards, the different mediums I'm working with, yeah. and they give me feedback. Like it's it's at each level you could be more involved. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean? sure, sure. And it's like I've got nothing at the moment. I yeah. think too far would be having to run everything I do by them. Yeah. But it'd be nice somewhere in like level one or two. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah, yeah. that is a form of micromanagement. <laughs> it's just how how detailed you want to go. But there was, you know, in, in the first company we worked for when I left, your 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 replacement manager. Remember, oh, yeah, he, he was like, he got in. Tell me where you are, twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. I, I want to know when you take sheets. a shit, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. and so that to me is is the kind of really that negative, is the negative. It's the control stuff. Yeah, that's hundred percent. That's without without a necessary reason. Yeah. Well, not a transparent reason. You know, like I maybe it was, maybe he was trying to get rid of you. I don't know, but like, I think it was either one trying to get rid of me or to asserting a sense of dominance because that's the thing right yeah. and, and we're talking about dynamic there's a difference in dynamic between for example someone you hire yeah versus someone you inherit yeah. as well because yeah, yeah. you know there's a whole respect dynamic that you're working with there where it's like yeah yeah someone who's been in the job before you've been their manager you have to kind of like assert like the fact that you're in charge, but yeah. you also then respect what they know and do. Yeah, you don't know what their baggage is and all that sort of stuff as well. well I think um, our mailbag covers that as well. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, so we've talked about being micromanaged. We've talked about the different levels. Mm. So let's just like blanket. We've got a we've got an employee. What? is an appropriate like when is it appropriate to micromanage like if you're you're assessing how your yeah. person's performing when do you think it's a good idea yeah cool so uh, i don't know where i found this um i found it a, a, a while ago um we're going to put it up on our instagram page so people can see it but let, let's call it the management matrix maybe i think i think that might be what it's called i'm not sure where i found it or where i saw it but basically there's a really really useful diagram which i'm going to talk through um that I have more recently called upon um, regularly to visualize with my with some of my staff mm. um, why I'm taking a bit more control of things or why, you know, when they're ready to take control themselves. So um, if we've got like, a, it's basically a graph um, or a chart rather. And if we've got on the, on the vertical axis, people's skills, mm -hmm. you know, so going up the page they have more skills mm -hmm. right and on the horizontal axis we've got um their kind of internal drive or their ambition or their work ethic their work ethic yeah? yeah so up the page skills across the page you know um work ethic internal drive we've got four quadrants right down the bottom uh where you've got low skills and low drive and low drive so the, the bottom left that's where, where micromanagement sits, yeah? If you go still low skills, but high drive, high ambition, that's where support sits, yeah? So they're the two bottom quadrants. At the top of the page, when you go up in skills, if you've got high skills, but low drive, low ambition, that's when we coach, mm. right? Then your A players, where you've got high skills, high ambition, that's when you delegate. Yep. Now, so recently I've had some conversations with um, some of my direct reports. Um, one of my direct reports is a new director, right? He's, um, he's a director overseeing a sort of medium-sized function of about 50 people, uh, another small function of about 10, and then another very large function of about 200, right? First time he's been a director, he was a head of department before covering maybe about 15 people, but this is a different ball game. Um, he was just internally promoted. He's been working for me for about six or seven months. Um, so I sat him down the other day and said, look, mate, okay, we're going to go through quite a intense period of restructuring these functions. You've never done this before. Mm -hmm. I've done it a bunch, right? 
the big challenge with restructures is you don't want them to take forever because it just exacerbates the stress and pressure on the people who are sitting in it. And people end up leaving, but people leave because it's just a stressful situation. And it doesn't need to be. It's not like we're restructuring the function so we make people redundant. Mm-hmm. We're restructuring because they've grown, there's not consistency in roles Business and, needs. you know, all that sort of stuff. Yep. We're trying to build a framework that people can get career progression and, you know, job satisfaction. It's really positive stuff. So I sat him down and I drew this chart for him and I said, at the moment, like where I want you to be, I want to be able to delegate everything to you. I want you to be an A player. And it's not that you're not an A player in theory. It's that you don't have that kind of experience. So your skills are low, right? Your skills are low, but your drive I'm sure is high. So I'm either going to be sort of micromanaging you slash supporting you. Yeah. The drive part can be in his drive, his ambition, but also the timing, as we said before, plays a factor here. So like he could be really ambitious, but not have the skills at this point, doesn't have the experience, but also if I need this tomorrow, I need to take control. So I sat down with him and said, look, you know, we're going to go through this restructure. Um, We're going to be playing this bottom quadrant here for a good couple of months. It is not a negative thing. It's not an indictment on you, but I need to take control here. It's a great learning opportunity but I'm going to be micromanaging you slash supporting you heavily for the next few months to get through this process. Yep. Once you gain that experience and those skills, I'm going to be moving up to that top sort of half of the page where I'm either coaching or delegating to you because you've got that experience, right? It was quite powerful to just be really transparent with him mm. and say like, this is how it's going to play out. Mm-hmm. And so from that situation more recently, he's come back to me and said, I need more micromanagement in this. Yeah. And he's using the words, which is great. That is good. Yeah. So I need more support. I need more micromanagement or just coach me on this one. Like I've got some experience. Can you, you know, can, can I just run it past you and make sure that I'm doing it the right way sort of thing? Yep. So yeah, like, um, I'm starting to lean into this one a bit more recently with people that, a kind of they've got unfounded skills so it's not it's not as i said like a negative of that person or people that work um for me it's that like i guess if you hire someone that's brand new you know you go through the interview process you you've got their cv it looks all great on paper but um you want to make sure that they start well you're still giving them the trust and stuff to do things mm-hmm. But certain, certain, so you might just, you might coach them, you might delegate them if it's a low risk sort of thing and just sort of test the waters. But if it's a high risk thing, that's when you need to start dropping down into that lower half. The, The challenge that I think exists is when, when you don't communicate that. Well, I mean, let's like stark contrast, let's compare that to the situation I was in where I had my manager post. (laughs) That's the world's biggest water bottle, by the way. I know. Yeah. Yeah. The bucket. Sorry, mate. Keep going. That's yeah. good. Um, so um, stop drawing attention to what I'm drinking. As well. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Um, when we had, I had my old boss after you left, mm. and there was micromanagement to the nth degree, yeah. unjustifiably so. Right. Yeah. So let's say he sat me down and basically was like, "Look, I think you've picked, like let's in his head. I'm trying to think how he might think. Mm-hmm. Like I've just worked for you for what four years. Um, I have a very specific way of working." which might not necessarily agree with the way he wants to do things. Yep. He wants to shift the way the department works and operates. And he also wants to change the dynamic between me and the rest of the business. Mm. And so he says to me, look, I, whether it worked for you and your old boss or not, mm. that's not how I like to operate. Mm-hmm. And the way that you currently operate doesn't fit with the vision I have for this department. Mm. So as it currently stands, I'm not happy with the way you're working. Mm. Now, as it stands, I'm going to, and he draws that thing out and he goes, currently, I don't think the way that you work and the skills that you are using Mm. are up to par with what I want. Mm. I want to get you here. Mm. If you don't want to get here, you know, there's the door. If he wants to be a real dick about it. Well, it's not like if you don't want to get there, then you're going to be continually sitting in that kind of lower quadrant where I'm supporting you, not necessarily micromanaging you. Like if if you've got, or even if you've got the skills, you develop the skills, you don't, don't have the drive, drive, then you're getting coached all the time. Yeah, constantly being know? kind of pushed in the direction that he, he wants and needs. Yeah. I think if that had been the frank and honest conversation, I probably could have swallowed that a bit better. Yeah. And I wouldn't have seen his micromanagement as like as a weapon. Yeah. Because that's how I interpret it. And I think that's how most people would interpret it. And I think that that 
initial conversation would mm. help so many people. Yeah. I mean, because in fairness, micromanagement can be used as a weapon. Yeah, a hundred percent. If if you want someone to, you know, and this happens every now and again, if someone's got a shit attitude or they're just not quite right for the team dynamic and you, you know, you don't want them there, then sometimes it, it's... Why not have that conversation? Do you know what I mean? For sure. Like, I mean... Um, it's difficult. I, I would never go about it that way, but I can understand certain people just want want to push, like a non have a non confrontational yeah. kind of like playbook that means that the person's probably going to leave. Yeah. It just feels like a messy and slow and drawn out process. It's yeah, unpleasant yeah. for everyone involved, even yeah. the micromanager. Like I have no doubt that this old manager, like because I I didn't take it lying down. Like I definitely like yeah. kind of I pushed back. And I for sure know that he would have dreaded every time he had to sit in a room with me because mm. it would have just been unpleasant. Mm. And like, I know for a fact that like, like, especially towards the end, like he'd have these meetings in my diary. He'd basically want to have a catch up every like two days yeah. and he'd put a meeting in my diary and then he wouldn't show up or he'd cancel it half an hour before, which also fucked with my head by the way. Yeah. But I know for a fact the reason he didn't do it is because he hated it. Because yeah. I wasn't just, I didn't just sit there and go, you so like, I'd be, yeah. I'd give him fucking attitude because I didn't appreciate the way <laughs> he was talking to me. Yeah, I mean, there's the the delivery of the message is a, is a big part of it as well. Um, you know, for, for me, this is a, a great opportunity for new staff or staff who are moving into a new role mm. to establish a really strong and powerful relationship where you're being really open about the the kind of boundaries and how you want them to work but where you want the journey to end up well imagine if a staff member came to you with this mm. quadrant thing like yeah. i would receive that really well i'd be like wow this person's like communicating really clearly what their wants and needs are yeah you know what i mean yeah so like uh we'll post this on our instagram by the way yeah, yeah we'll put the diagram on, the, on, on our page but i think um I've had this conversation a few times more recently with uh, with other people and I've encouraged that and said like if if there are things that you're not comfortable doing come to me you know use the language I I need you to coach me through this yeah. or I need you to you know support me through this or I need you to micromanage me in this piece of work because I've just never had the experience well, that instills more confidence in me as a manager like yeah. I had a situation I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago where one of my staff was working on a project and she insisted that she wanted to work on this project by herself because yeah. it was working with another member of staff she was close with yeah and I was like cool man and this is the same staff member who sort of said that she's ambitious but hasn't really demonstrated the fact that she is and mm -hmm. I was like great this is her chance like she's going to really put herself out there and do something yeah and then i let it left it to her own devices and then she went on holiday so she finished it in yeah a, in quotation marks and told me it's finished rah, rah, rah. yeah and i just needed to do a few bits and pieces to it so mm. trusting that it was done she went away i went to check it mm. a couple of days before it was due and i was like oh my god this is not even close to where yeah. it needs to be yeah. so i had to then kind of pull my finger out and kind of rescue the situation but then she was deeply embarrassed and upset when she came back and I was like, well, this is, you know, it, shit had hit the fan basically. Mm. Like, and you know, she kind of blamed me for it. Like, and what would it, you have done differently though? I think I probably would have a, I would have micromanaged more to mm. be fair. Like I really did say like, you know, go for your life mm. and trusted that she, you know, and she has the skills, I think. So when I like uh, what I would have done differently is I would have checked the work. I would have been way more communicative about what, what my expectations. Expect. Yeah. I think what where I felt like a little let down is that I didn't feel like I needed to demonstrate my expectations because she has worked with me on other things, yeah. modules, and yeah. delivered things with me. Yeah. So she kind of, in my head, I'm like, you should know what the standard of expectation is because yeah. we've delivered dozens of these before. Mm. And the one that she delivered, I didn't feel was up to par. Yeah. So for me, I was like, maybe I could have and should have been more micromanaging. And I think she probably would have benefited from that more. Hmm. Um, something as simple as saying you know what the standard is right like yeah you know look at back look back at the work we've done before i think she would if have said yes if you're gonna do that stuff like this is what i expect you know i think she would have said yes and like i've looked at certain other things she's worked on and i've realized in hindsight i've always had to ask her to tweak certain things yeah um and so yeah like we are probably i could probably stand to be a bit more communicative about my expectations the problem it's is is the things I expect are like the finer details. Mm. And I know for some people, they'd be like, well, it's fucking, who cares? Mm. For me, particularly when it comes to design and, and 
the way things are presented, mm. I think there's a great importance in the finer details being yeah for sure impo- you know. But other people are like, well, this is it's you know who cares if the color yeah. the colors are slightly wrong, and I'm like, it matters. Yeah, it's for sure. it's a standard of quality for me. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean, so like I- I- if we we come back to that graphic, if if you're a good manager, you don't want to be spending all of your time you know, in the bottom half because that's when you just end up chewing all your time up, yeah. like constantly managing other people's work. And that's when you're like, fuck, I'll just do it myself. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, in terms of what you're able to achieve on your, you know, on your own shoulders, that's really limited because your time is so, so taken up with doing every, everybody else's work. Um, new managers really find this hard though. Because like if you've never managed someone before, you've got your own style, you've got your own way of delivering stuff. Um, so when you get your first staff member, get getting somebody else to do something, quite uncomfortable. Most people, especially people who, who would deem themselves as perfectionists, really struggle with this thing. They're like, oh, no, I don't want you to do it that way. Oh, look, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. And that's when it becomes really difficult. So you need to start letting, like people need to start letting go a bit. Um, yeah, I've definitely had to learn how to do that. Like, Which is tricky. Like it's a tough lesson to learn, and that's I think also when people don't learn that lesson, they they perpetuate this micromanagement stigma because they just can't let go of something and let other people's people do it themselves. Yeah, I'm gonna play devil's advocate though, because like Steve Jobs was apparently a like massive micromanager. Mm. Like he had a vision; it was gonna be exactly the way he wanted it, mm-hmm. and everyone had to fall into line, and mm. he would like basically micromanage everyone around him. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that's why Apple is as good as it is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, or was but that that's where we come back to the original question you asked. You know, like what is the outcome? You're what trying what's to, the state? What are the stakes, stakes here? Like, if his computer was just slightly better looking than an HP or whatever, then we wouldn't have the products that we've got now from Apple. So, like, he, well, his point of difference is the detail. the look and feel exactly. Yeah. So, like, he obviously knew that, and that's where the stakes were. Mm. He probably didn't micromanage the processes and like you know the 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 speed of the 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 tool like you know all the tech stuff. It was all design micromanagement a, probably. He just had a very detailed end goal that he was driving people towards. Yeah, and he wouldn't budge on that. Yeah, which, which is you know power to him. It's fine, yeah. but yeah. So I think like it, it, it's interesting when people are new managers whether they can start to use this tool to help them. Um, to then set parameters and, and make things a bit easier. Mm. Um, the only other thing I would say is that there are also other situations where because of their own um, lack of confidence, managers don't want their staff to ever kind of reach the heights of capability. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that. So like, that's, you know... That's dumb. <laughs> In, in this quadrant, what you should be doing as a manager is getting everyone to that delegate space, like yeah. really getting everyone skilled to that delegate space where you then just have this infinite amount of time knowing that they're getting on with their work, smashing it. You mm-hmm. can trust them. They're doing all this great stuff. And then you've got time to spend on expanding your your purview, your expanding your, you know, what what you can work on, just diving into other areas, ideas, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, your remit expands, all that sort of stuff. But then there are there are managers who are, you know, lacking that self confidence, and they're at their strategies to keep people down. In which mm-hmm. case, like they're going to keep you in that bottom quadrant because they um, don't want you to learn. Yeah, they don't want you think. to have higher skills, so they don't coach you. They don't get you to increase your skills and experience. So they're constantly keeping you down. If you're in that situation where your manager isn't helping you grow, that's a completely different discussion. I think that's a whole other topic. Actually, yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah, that's, I think that's all we've got time for today, really. Awesome. Yeah, sweet. Thanks, man. Cheers. All right. So uh, for this week, our second segment is a mailbag, which we haven't done for a while, but we've got a pretty juicy one here. So I'm just going to read it out, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. So, hi there. I've recently started a new role where I'm managing a staff of six. One of my new staff members, let's call her Helen, has been in the role for 15 years. Helen is a lovely lady and does a reasonable job. However, in her mind, she is, an employee, she is employee of the month every month. I don't have an issue with her current skill set or work ethic, but the misalignment of her own perception and reality often causes issues for both me as her new manager as well as some of her junior colleagues. 
How do I, being a new manager with a shorter tenure than her, bring her into a more appropriate mindset without causing a huge drama? Mm. Helen. <laughs> causing uh, hell. Helen. <laughs> um, so let's, let's sort of recap a few, a few, a few facts and just take them as they are. Being with the, the been in her role for 15 years, interesting. Um, let's assume Helen's probably like older, I'd say. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think that really um, matters, matter. but 15 years of experience uh, is, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, does a reasonable job, however, in her, pl- her mind, she's employee of the month. So I, I guess one of the things that, that we, we'd ask is, is that because of the standard of her work or because she works really hard? Um, or because she's been there a long time. Yeah. Um, so skill set of work ethic is, is fine, uh, but a misalignment of own perception and reality often cause issues for both me and her as a new manager as well as colleagues. So I think maybe... Um, a sense of like self-importance here. Yeah, I think I think the, our, our listeners kind of maybe softening the blow here a little bit because I guess if if there's a misalignment between what Helen thinks her her outputs are, it's it's either got to be because of the skill or the work ethic, Yeah, you know. So... Um, does a reasonable job is probably an insight that the skills letting Helen down a bit. Yeah, like she's doing a good enough job, but she's not fucking killing it. She's not setting the world on fire. Yeah, yeah. this is probably quite a common issue, common challenge. I mean, particularly in in our industry where people tend to stay in the industry for a very long time, and when you go to them and say, you know, we need to do it this way, they go, well, I've done it that way for yeah. my whole life. Yeah. You know, I've yeah. been in the industry for 40 years. I've been years, using sunny. abacus since before <laughs> yeah. fucking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so teaching people that there's a better way is quite often a challenge anyway. Especially when you don't have the tenure or the rapport in yeah. their mind. In yeah. their mind. Yeah, for sure. So I think like first thing, um, there needs to be an establishment of respect. Yeah. Um, so like if you're managing... Let's assume that uh, our listeners managing someone who has more perceived experience than them. Um, that's tricky. Yeah. So, like, if I'm managing someone and they're older than me and they've got more experience, there needs to be this level of respect that that person has for me in the first place. So, I tend tend to try to establish that through like the knowledge that I've got or the, or the way, way that I manage it. them as well, like not diminishing their skills and experience, but, you know, making sure that I, it's clear that I value that from them. Well, funnily enough, this situation almost sounds identical to the situation my mum's currently in. My right. mum's been doing her job actually for about 15 years. Is this my mother? <laughs> my my mum's been doing be. her, yeah. 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 My mum's been doing this role, her role for quite a long time. And mm. she recently had a boss that she hated. And I mean like hated for a long time mm. to the point where she was ready to leave. Mm. And then, and he was moved into another role and they brought someone in from overseas right. who who had a lot of experience, very young as well, by the way. So she noted that he was quite young, like he was in his like early 40s. Uh-huh. My mum is like almost retirement age. Mm-hmm. And she said like the way that he approached this was like in a very respectful, open-minded way. So he came into the role and he mm-hmm. set the terms of respect, basically saying like, I respect all of you been doing this job. I'm mm-hmm. new to the business, da, da, da. What I have skills in is X, Y, and Z. Yeah. What you have skills in is A, B, and C. Yeah. And we need to make sure that there's like a synergy between those things. Yeah, for sure. These so are that's my a great ex- way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. these are my expectations of you based on what you know. Mm-hmm. But in res- in response to that, like, you know, I also expect, you know, da, 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 because of, you know, A, B, C. And yeah. like having that initial conversation, I wonder if this listener's set the terms yeah set so setting the terms is really important and using the tool that we we've, we've been talking through before is also um is also feasible so like coming in new manager like this person's been there for quite a long time but you don't know what you don't know yeah so you don't know whether their output's been great you you, you know our listeners would would be probably shocked to understand how many times we've been in businesses where you know, we're going through a restructure of a team or, re, you know, um, redundancies or, or performance reviews and you hear, oh, yeah, so-and-so, you know, they've been here for 15 years but they're not really any good. You're yeah. like, what the fuck have they been here for 15 years for? Yeah. Like uh, people tend to 
get away with poor performance because it's hard to have difficult conversations with them. It's hard to manage poor performance. Um, so quite often you'd be in an organization well, they're really where nice. they're really nice. They're a good bloke. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a classic one. He's a great bloke, but you know, he's just shit at his job. So like, um, well, there's well, a lady at our work that I've had to work with Well, at my work. Mm. I had to work with, she's a pain in the ass and she's not very like, she's, she's very well. I'm going to say respect is not the word. She's well known because mm-hmm. she has a particular role that exposes her to everyone in the business. Yeah. But like, I've never like seen her performance as being outstanding, but she's mm. been there a fucking long time. Yeah. So like, so I think first, first things first, um, this, uh, our listeners obviously kind of established that this level of skill that you would expect from someone that's been there for 15 years, it isn't what's being attained. Mm. Right. So that's important. Um, and so, working that out is, is step one. And you can do that using that tool. We were saying like, you know, I'm coming in as a new manager. I need to kind of establish kind of expectations of, of output over the next couple of months. I'm going to do that by, you know, closely monitoring. You might feel like it's micromanaging, but it's not, it's not intended to kind of be overbearing, but I just need to get into the weeds with you and you make get sure. get a sense of you all. Make sure that I'm being the best manager that I can be. Yeah, and then we can look at where, where the gaps in our expectations might be, and then we can close those gaps, and then it becomes just about delegating in the future or coaching. So, like, it sounds like this person's already kind of done that gap analysis, which is a good thing. I think part of it is, like, setting people up for the expectation that there's change or there will be change. Yeah. Like, I mean, by default, you're a new manager, so, like... Like, I think some people might labor under the illusion that like, oh, well, things will keep going exactly the way they were. Mm. Uh, and then it's even more jarring for them when you're not the same as their old manager. Yeah. You know, so saying like, look, I realize that things have happened for a while, X, Y, Z. You know, these are my skill set. These are my expectations. This is what I like to do. Mm. And coming back to like the old boss that I got stuck with mm. and saying like, you know, if you sort of outline what the expectations are, people can straight away be like, is that something I'm wanting to be a part of or be part yeah, yeah. to. That's a, that's a key question. I was going to come back. I was going to come into that uh, in a second, but we'll, we'll talk about that. There is, there has to be a point where you determine whether Helen in this case is going to want to hit that kind of standard that you expect. Well, it sounds like Helen, he doesn't have an issue with Helen and what she's doing. Mm. He doesn't like her attitude. Like the problem is, is, is there seems to be like a self-importance of like, well, I've been here the longest or mm. I've been here a long time mm. and therefore I'm kind of in charge. It's almost like a bit of a power struggle, it seems. Yeah. So like if it's not, well, you know, and, and the skill set thing, but I guess if you, if, as you said, if you're establishing the parameters, then the question is, does Helen want to reach the, does reach she want to respect sort of you as the authority? Yeah. Well, le- leaving you aside, does she want to breach that benchmark? Cause you, like you could say, you know, actually Helen, you're doing a great job, but I want a phenomenal job. Do you want to, do you want to reach that? You know, and it might be that she's n- not up to it. But no. then she needs to not be like puffing her chest out and boarding around. Like well, mate, actually it could even be a tougher conversation. Helen, is this a bi- is this business right for you anymore? You know, is this team right for you anymore? Because I'm setting parameters that doesn't seem like you want to hit. Uh, it doesn't seem like you're capable of hitting. Mm. If it's a capability thing, Helen, let's work on the capabilities together. If it's something that you're just not up for, then maybe we need to have a conversation about changing this. But what if Helen, say, my mother's age and she's, you know, a couple of years from retirement, mm. like maybe she doesn't want to upskill herself. Yeah. And so maybe it's a matter of like, because it seems to me like part of the issue here is because Helen thinks that she's the most important person in mm. the team or the most skilled or the most whatever, Yeah. that she's maybe actually like stymieing the ability for some of her more junior colleagues yeah. to like grow and do things properly. Yeah. So like I, I recently had this situation where there, there was someone um, quite senior uh, in one of the teams that I manage um, who made it very known that he wasn't ambitious, didn't want to progress much in his career. And I had to sit him down and say, the, the problem with that, it's not a problem, but the problem with that current situation is you've got people below you who do. Yeah. So and at the moment aside. that, yeah, at the moment, they're, they're sort of limited in their growth because they're hitting you as the, as the, the leader above yep. who, who in themselves isn't progressing. So, you know, we, we had a discussion and, and that person said, oh, cool, okay, it's, it's time for me to, to move to a different business and, and whatever. And that, that was fine. Like, really? it was a, yeah, it was the right thing to do. I mean, the other thing I could do is say, well, I'm happy to kind of like take a demotion or yeah. look, so, at, look at a different role. Ho- horses for courses. But I think like, um, you know, it's it's a super tricky one where you've got like someone who is at the back end of their career 
and maybe doesn't want to upskill themselves, but you really need to work out, is that having a massive negative effect on the team? If it is, it's not like you'd need to just let them go because that's, you know, a real problem. It's ageist. It's, it's, it's not the right thing to do necessarily mm-hmm. unless there is a significant performance issue. But it might be about setting different parameters like, okay, Helen, we're now going to change what you do in this team. We're going to make yeah. it less intensive based on the targets that I'm setting, which are higher than than we both agree you're able to achieve or you want to grow to be able to achieve. But I'm going to reposition your work so that, you know, others can fill that gap. Or make Helen feel part of it. Like mm-hmm. the thing is like you've got a plan and a strategy for the team. If mm. there are more junior employees that you think have growth potential mm. and Helen's either influencing them negatively or she's getting in the way or whatever, mm. maybe bring Helen into the conversation and be like, this is where the team is currently. This is yeah. where I want the team to be. Mm. How does, and sort of like open-ended question, like how do you fit into that? Yeah. I think just more generally, like it, it doesn't need to be someone in the back end of their career just more generally where you've got staff members who are blind to their performance gaps, A, you need to have a tough conversation. You need to be okay having a difficult conversation. B, the the objectives and targets need to be crystal clear. Mm. So that difficult conversation becomes a hell of a lot easier if the objectives and targets are crystal clear. So because you're a new manager, you need to come in and, and look at the job descriptions, look at the objectives, look at the deliverables. If those things aren't crystal clear, Make them clear because also, that will help you as well. Maybe Helen will step up in this example because the clarity becomes a hell of a lot better, which it hasn't been in the past. Also, you're not you're, you're doing them a disservice by not having this conversation with them because you might have the patience and the awareness to realize that they're falling mm. short, mm. and you have the time and and the afforded opportunity to like help them mm. say, okay, well, you know, there's a, a skills gap here, or there's you know whatever. The next manager might not. Mm. You know, you might end up with a ruthless manager that's like, Helen's no good. See you later. Yeah. Redundancy, mate. See you later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think like in this example, um, there might be a bit of self-entitlement like Helen's been there for 15 years. She might have thought that actually she should have been taking the job that that, that our listeners move straight into. Yeah. Again, work that out early because if you've got someone with an attitude problem, where they've got that entitlement, it mightn't be that this business is the right place for them anymore. Yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. above has made the decision that Helen's not the right person. If if she can't get over that, and there's this kind it happens of a lot too. yeah, it does. And, and and maybe the right thing to do is just move her on, and that set, sets her free from her negativity around the whole situation. Um, and you know, she can get a new role and all that sort of stuff. You know, obviously there's complexities that play into it, but yeah, it, it could be the right thing to do. Cool. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Helen. have to talk about that one more if we get some more emails about it but yeah um by the way if you do want to send us a mailbag you can reach us at snakes and finelli ladders (laughs) i didn't decide on this email (laughs) snakes and ladders but and the letter n instead of and at gmail.com you left out the podcast let's try that again snakes and (laughs) n finelli snakes and ladders Podcast. podcast at gmail.com all right, just one more time. <laughs> Snakes, Snakes and ladders. ladders podcast at gmail.com. gmail.com yeah. And if anyone emails us and we don't respond, it's probably because you sent us the wrong email. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, we'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, that's all we've got time for today. To stay up to date with the latest episodes, don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, we're getting some great engagement and we want this to keep going. So feel free to leave, leave us a comment. Um, as we want to hear from you and, and as you've just now got our complex email, please, <laughs> please send us emails. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate.